As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6, um, <clears throat> I want to read a little quote here. It's from C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. I don't know if you're familiar with C.S. Lewis or familiar with that book in particular, but he is really one of um, the great minds of the Christian faith. Uh, his his use of uh, fictional stories and, and integrating biblical concepts are really uh, just masterful. And in one of the books, he undertook the process of, in the screw tape letters, of having Satan and his demons having a conversation. Uh, it's, it's a training office. And you're, you're in, in, the, like in the training room listening to the strategies of Satan and his demons, talking about humans, talking about Christians. It, it, it can be a little complicated because you really have to put your mind directly in like the phase of the enemy is you, the Christian. Um, but it really is, is masterful. It takes a, a very serious look at this true enemy that's, that's there. Here's a quote. The safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. It's just this gentle walk through the forest all the way to hell. Um, it's kind of the idea of, you know, hell is paved with good intentions, right? And so we have to be on guard for the, the, the subtlety of that. Um, that. That it's there and we pretend like it's not. Um, the truth is, there is an enemy. There's an enemy and we're in a battle. Satan is, is not a fable. It is not just a story made up to, to, to give you some fear or a metaphor. Uh, he is real, very real, and very powerful. Um, he's not more powerful than our master, but he is powerful and he is our master's enemy. Um, People's beliefs in Satan range from, you know, kind of just these silly abstract things. You know, this little red guy, you know, with horns maybe on one of your shoulders and another, you know, a little angel with the harp on the other shoulder kind of, you know, whispering in your ear to, you know, maybe do little naughty things. No, that's, um, it's, it's, he's not cute. It's not funny. Um, Satan is not just like, you know, hell's ultimate party planner. I'm sure we've all heard people say that, you know what? I, I, I don't mind going to hell. That, that's where the party is. That's where my friends are. Um, frightening statement. It, it is no joke that there is a real hell. That's why we have great news that you don't have to go there. 
that you can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. The terminology we used in, use in Christianity is, is serious terminology. When we talk about being saved from your sins, that is a direct um, insight into the future of, of hell without the blood of Christ. For me personally, we're all a little bit different the way we've been made up. Some people are motivated by the carrot, you know, the reward. Some are motivated by the stick. I'm one of those stick kind of guys. You know, you got to beat me over the head and um, threaten me and, you know, make me run laps and do push-ups and um, that I'm, I'm motivated by that. And part of that is the way I grew up. I was un, under no delusion of grandeur that, that I was going to heaven. And I think some people tend to think of that as um, maybe just part of the, 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 the backstory. Um, but people know. They know they're rejecting God. They know that. Uh, they know they don't want any part of Christianity. If you're not sure, go, go witness to a neighbor, a friend, and they'll be honest. I don't want to go there. We've talked about this. Well, why not? Because I don't want to give up X, Y, and Z. They know. They don't want to give up their lifestyle. They don't want to change and, and conform into the stuff that you, I don't want to go sing songs to Jesus. I don't, I don't want to go tithe. I don't want to do, you know, good works and serve and be in ministry. I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to be obedient to uh, a, a book that was written two, 3000 years ago. I mean, they'll be honest with you. Most people, they don't want it. But some of those people also understand exactly where they're going. And, and I was one of them. I, I knew that <clears throat> my destiny was hell. And I didn't care. Again, I was a fool. I was deceived into thinking that that just was the place where all my other foolish, sinful friends were, were going to be. What, what's the big deal? Um, and then when I realized that, well, hell is very, very serious and hell is separation, not only from God, most importantly, but then as people that I knew and loved were becoming Christians and walking in the faith and realizing they're on one team and I'm on the other. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful today in a way that my, my dad's not here because, um, I can talk about him. <laughs> my um, God bless my dad he never deluded me into thinking that I was going to heaven falsely he, he knew where I stood and he gave me the warnings and he gave me the love and he gave me the word but he never pretended that we were going to the same place. And that always kept me in check. 
because it was a challenge to be confronted with who I really was. Unfortunately, for a long time, I, I chose to um, follow my own path. But God is good, and God is greater than the evil one who's in the world. And, and as we study this passage, as a father, <clears throat> a father, we've been talking about kind of the roles of male and female, some of the differences between a father and a mother. Uh, a, a father tends to be uh, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more, you know, with the stick, uh, reminding their children, you know, if you do this, there's going to be a consequence. Um, and so we will see that aspect, but Ephesians is such a beautiful, amazing book because it gives the completion of both that, that here we are faced directly with the reality that there is an enemy. And yet just a few chapters earlier, we're so generously told we be saved by grace we're saved through faith not of our own it's a free gift so while there's this enemy there's this sweet salvation while there's this enemy God is more powerful while there's a battle God is victorious and so there's no reason for us to to fear as believers, but we need to be awake. We need to stand firm and be ready for battle. Um, there's always casualties in battle. Always. Maybe you're going to have the victory, but there's casualties on the way and we don't want to be a part of the casualty list. Today we're going to look at the enemy. We're going to look at Satan. Uh, maybe we'll get through the five lessons. Uh, maybe we won't. I don't want to rush it. But we're going to look at five lessons that we learn about Satan. Satan um, has waged war since the beginning. Since the beginning, Satan waged war. Uh, number two, Satan's war is against humanity. Satan's war is against humanity. Number three, Satan's war is against Jesus. He is warring against Jesus. Satan's war is against you. You, individually, one soul at a time. Make no mistake, he's coming to get you. And Satan's war will end. His war will end. There will be victory. Well, turn back with me to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, as we look at this enemy, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Unequivocally, directly, Here's the enemy, the devil, the devil himself. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
Well, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of struggles in flesh and blood. Those are nothing. Those are byproducts of our real struggle against the devil, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we're to take up our full armor of God so that we will be able to resist in the evil day. When's the evil day? Well, remember Ephesians 5, 16? Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Why? Making the most of your time. Why? The days are evil. So there's not just like this one magic end of the road evil day. The days are evil. So our struggle is against this this devil. If you guys have uh, ever heard of uh, Sun Tzu, Sun Tzu, he is the supposed to be like the, the grand master army general. And he's wrote the book, The Art of War. And that sounds fun, huh? Well, if you're, you know, a military guy or you like history, uh, this is a book that's, that's very, very, in it, very famous and popular. He's Chinese and, and he's considered a, a war genius. Uh, every military man at West Point would stu- study uh, Sun Tzu. And this is one of his statements. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained you, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in battle every time. It's the point. You need to know your enemy. You need to know your enemy. And if there's a choice, you need to know your enemy better than you even know yourself. Uh, You need to research. You need to study. You need to know their tactics. Uh, We see this in in world history. You know, we've been in a couple uh, worldwide military battles. We had, you know, two pretty big ones in Europe. And, you know, some of the, the, the key players did the same things. Two wars in a row. Same mistakes. Same strategical tactics. Same positions. Uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Well, if you know your enemy, then you could plan on how to defend them. You can plan on how to attack them. You can plan on how to defeat them. Well, that's what we want to do. And so turn back with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, the first lesson we want to learn is Satan has been there since the beginning. doesn't get any closer than Genesis chapter 3. The third chapter in the Bible, we're introduced. Here's God in the beginning. He creates Adam. He creates Eve. You got a, a, a man and a woman, and there they are together. And who are they partnered up with? Well, there's Satan. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. And she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then both of them, their eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loin, loin coverings. We, we know from... Uh, revelation that very clearly that this the snake in the garden the serpent is the devil and what we see here is the devil tempts Adam and Eve tempts God's uh, cherished created beings and from the very start Satan is there Satan is there um, Keep in mind that in John chapter 1, we, we know that in the beginning was the Word. Um, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word created everything, right? God created everything. We know that God created Adam and Eve. We know that God created the devil. Colossians 1.15. Turn with me to Colossians uh, one, we, we've got a ton of verses. We won't turn to all of them, but you'll want to sharpen your, your pen for sure if you can figure that one out. Colossians 1, 15. And He is the image of the invisible God, that is Christ, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. And so what happened in the beginning with the invisible God, God and Christ created both in the heavens and on the earth. And what did they create? This, this invisible dominions, rulers, and authorities. Now, normally, we just run right by, right? We don't think anything of it. When context, when we understand Ephesians 6, in Ephesians 6, we go back and we go, well, here's Satan. And Satan is, does this sound familiar to you? The devil is the rulers, the powers, the world forces of darkness, spiritual forces in the heavenly places. This is the terminology used for, for these demons, these evil ones that are with Satan. Ezekiel 28, 13 through 17 uh, lets us know that, that Satan was created and was there in the beginning in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. He was there. We know that in Isaiah 14, 12, that, that Satan was fallen from heaven. Why? Because in his heart, 
five times he proclaimed to to God, I will. Now, we don't tend to look up at God and and clench our fist at him. We just kind of do it, right? But this is what Satan did. He said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of Assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's why he got cast out of heaven. The audacity to go before the creator and say, I will rise above you. This was the calling out of his hostile takeover. This was his goal, is his goal, is always his goal, is to take over. To take over. To take over what? Well, not just the throne, but the people below the throne. There's got to be somebody to rule, right? Well, that's us. We're the pawns in the game. And so Revelation 12, 9 reveals that, that Satan was thrown down with his angels to the earth. And we'll see more about the other angels. And so Satan, who is Satan? We learned in Genesis 3.1 is his interaction with Adam and Eve. It's the same playbook, the same schemes that he does today. It's just wrapped in a different color bow and a big box and a little box and a flat box. It's all the same. It's always he's going to come at us with deception. That's why we have to be on guard. We have to know what the truth is so that when this deception comes, we can see it, we can smell it, we can hear it. We, we, we know right away. Sorry, honey. That ain't right. You gotta know. It ain't right. Why? He's gonna use deceit to create doubt. He's gonna create some doubt. Did, did God really say that? Is that what God really said? Is that really in the Bible? Um, is that really important in the Bible? Is that really still in play? Because that was written 2,000 years ago. Times have changed. He's going to distort the truth. Right? Put words in your mouth. Change, change it up a little bit. Um, add things. Take things out. He will flat out deny. He will use denial. God didn't say that. No, he didn't. That's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Well, it's in the Bible, but it is in the Old Testament, so we don't count that one. Well, it's in the Bible, but it's like it's in the early church, and you know, it's, 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 we're different now. There's always an excuse that ultimately leads to denouncing, denouncing God, denouncing. If you denounce Scripture, you denounce God. If you denounce what Scripture says, you denounce God. If if, if it's all related. That's why the attack is always going to come towards something that has to do with the authority in Scripture. We want to undermine Scripture. Why? Because that's God's Word. That's His playbook. Well, fortunately, as we've already seen, that God's position is He is the Creator. Genesis 1 starts out, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God, just unequivocally, you know, any book you read, even though we know that there's 66 books in this book, 
that makes one book the Bible, but every book you read, you start from the beginning. Page one. Uh, ironically, page one of the Bible is the beginning and the last page is the end. Uh, in God's infinite wisdom and sovereignty, uh, the books have been arranged exactly the way he wanted. The first words out of the book, in the beginning, God, I created this. I did it. That's why the attack through things like evolution is so important. If God didn't create the universe, then you know what? The very first words in this book are a lie. If they're true, well, that's essential. Now we wait a second. Time out. You mean there was a God that created everything? Yes. He's the absolute moral being. That's how he was. Well, how could God be? Who, who made God? He's the absolute moral law being. That's what makes him God. He makes the absolutes. He makes the absolute moral laws. If God sets the law, then it's moral. Period. But I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. Then you're wrong. God's right. You're wrong. There are a lot of things that I don't completely understand. Like, well, I don't know why. Why, why would that be? Um, I have to conform my desire to God's. He's the creator. He's the creator of the heavenlies. There's no other God. There's no other gods. There's no, no men that become gods. Gods that become, none of that. All of this stuff that you see with the Roman and the Greek pantheon of all of that comes from looking at scripture and going, well, how do we tweak this? How do we make men gods? That, that, that's what the Roman and the Greek gods are. They're just man gods. That's why they're filled with all the flaws of humanity. Um, not, not God. He's the creator. He's the owner. He's the potter. We're the clay from the beginning. But Satan has, or I should say, we have the same problem that Satan has. We want to be autonomous. We want to be in charge. It's our pride, right? Students want to be the teacher. The employees want to be the boss. The players want to be the coach. Children want to be the parents. Everybody wants to be the other thing, right? And Satan wants to be, he, he's, he's the king of all. He wants to be God. Um, and that's been from the beginning. Well, the second lesson we learn is Satan's war is, is, is not sterile. It, it's, it's against humanity. He is waging a war against humans. We see a great picture of this in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And the, the man was blameless and upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. What a guy. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions were, were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 cattle, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. 
And the man was the greatest of all the men in the east. And his sons used to go up and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. And they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it came about when the days of fasting had completed their cycle that Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, well, perhaps my sons have sinned because they've just been parting. Good guess, Job. Um, so he's going to lay sacrifices for you. It's a good pattern for parents to understand to pray for their children, right? Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. So Job would do this continually. Not only did he care about himself, he, he would care about his, his children and their unknown sin. We've talked about that. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. So in the heavenlies, these angels, these spirit beings would come present themselves before the throne of God. And Satan also came among them. Satan's in line too. He's not in charge. He's just one of them. Okay? He's in line waiting for his turn to go before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where did you come? And then Satan answered and said, oh, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. I don't know about you, but I don't like that. Why doesn't he just stay home? He does not. He's been in the garden. He walks and roams the earth. Not all places at all times, but he has the ability to walk the earth. And the Lord said to Satan, well, have you considered my servant Job? Well, time out. Did, did you catch the assumption there? Satan doesn't cruise the earth because, you know, earth is really cool. They've got lakes and oceans and hunting and, and he just like goes and he vacations there. That's not what Satan does on earth. He is like that prowling lion seeking whom he can devour. That's what he does. God calls him who? Not, not, not the, the, the what, the who? Have you considered my servant Job? Now, wait a minute. Satan can go on earth and prowl and hunt men? So God asks, have you checked out Job? Wait a minute. I thought Job was the good guy. Blameless, upright, fearing God, praying for his kids, making sacrifices. And Satan answered, Lord, well, does, does Satan's going to use his tricks, try to pull him on, on God, twisting words, right? Well, does, does Job fear God for nothing? What do you mean by that? Hast thou not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed his work and his hands and his possessions have an increased in the land. So what Satan's saying is, look, you, you built a wall around his, his property. I can't get in. The enemy can't attack. You've made a fortress around him. 
You've protected him. You've blessed him. Of course the guy likes you. Who wouldn't? Verse 11. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Take it away. Make him poor and he'll curse you. Side note, our morality is not tied into our checkbooks. Whether we're rich or whether we're poor, our morality is not tied into how much we have. That's the challenge Satan. Satan's saying only, only rich people can love you. Only rich people can be obedient. Only rich people would be obedient because they're just happy that they have all the goodies. So that's why they follow you. Well, this theory is put to the test. Verse 12, then the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power only. Do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Now it happened on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house that a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven. This is our assumption. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. And while I was still, can you imagine this news? You're getting this as the one guy is ending. Another guy comes in. You know what just happened? I got another one. Verse 17. I got another one. While he was still speaking, another came and said the Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Verse 18, fourth issue. While he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great whim came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they died. I alone have escaped. Could you imagine a report like that? Now notice some of the tactics that Satan uses here. Um, could it be Satan's trying to uh, um, incriminate God? Trying to frame him? with the use of the wind, with the use of the fire, right? What do we call those things today? Acts of God. That's not intended to show the supremacy of God's sovereignty. That's an attack, blaming God when we see the floods and the hurricanes. Anyway, what's Job's response? How does Job respond to all this? It's unbelievable. Job arose. He tore his robe and shaved his head. That's what the Jews would do when people would die. So their mourning time. He falls to the ground and he worships. How does he worship? And he says, 
Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We are well trained and well versed praising God when good stuff happens. Praise God. Job is different. Blessed be the name of the Lord when he taketh away. Praise God. It's remarkable. It's a man after God's own heart. Verse 22, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And there's more to this story, but Satan's war is against people. He doesn't care about Job. Job is just a random guy. Satan's fun is going to the earth and roaming about seeking whom he may desire. But again, God's in charge. God's in charge. Um, Satan's position. Satan's powerful. Satan's powerful. He's, he's able to roam from heaven to earth. He's got like that, that free pass on Jacob's ladder, right? He just goes up and down and the Disneyland pass as many times as he wants. Um, he is an anointed cherub, Ezekiel 28.4. He was one of the top ranking uh, angels. The angels have rankings and he's one of the top rank one. Um, but he's an enemy. He opposes truth, 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He attempts to blind the eyes of men. See, we need to, we, we need to understand this as, as soldiers in battle. If your enemy's trying to blind you, what's your goal then? To not be blind, to see. The enemy's trying to hide, you're to uncover. The enemy wants you to be in the dark. God wants you to be in the light. How do we do this? We arm ourselves with the word of God, right? It opens us up. The Holy Spirit gives us insight. Second, he, he, 1 Timothy 4.1, he will use deceitful doctrines. Satan will use the church. Satan will use false prophets, false teachers. That's why there's nobody, there's, there's nobody who who doesn't come under the scrutiny of God's word. Me first. You hold me accountable to God's word. Why? Because deception most likely is going to come from this spot right here. You got to be on guard. You have to be on guard. Oh, they'll be pretty, right? And like Saul big and good looking and they'll have sharp sweet tongues and speak well and be winsome the 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 better that is the more you should be on the lookout and, it, and it's not critical you you just cross check it with god's word it is is what he's teaching what what is coming out of god's word that's why we use so many verses um my my notes here i i I do, it's called a kind of a, an outline. It's almost all verses. 
That's what I'm looking at, are verses. Um, so I'm not guessing who Satan is. This is what the Bible says, who Satan is and what he does. He comes to deceive and he will deceive through doctrine. That's why so many false religions have Jesus in their story. Well, because that, that, that breaks down our, our, oh, wait, wait, they believe in Jesus? Ooh, it's a, it's a new version of Jesus? Was Galatians 1 say, even if he, an angel comes as, an, as a, or a messenger as an angel and gives you a different gospel, you reject it. It's the same gospel or it's a false gospel. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 5 through 11, his goal is to thwart humanity. Acts 5, 3, 1 Corinthians 7, 5, he comes and tempts us with sin. That's why we got to be very careful that we don't use terms like, well, it was, uh, it was a, you know, a bad habit or, you know, it was a little mischievous or a little not. It was sin. It, it, it's sin. I, I need forgiveness for my sin. I, I need transformation from my sin. I need the blood of Christ for my sin. I, I don't need that if it's like just a little, eh, it's a mistake. We just move on mistakes. A mistake is just a, a little bump in the road. Sin requires confession. It requires repentance. And then in that, we have this gratitude and this joy for conquering that because of the blood of Christ and because of the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to, to fight through that. It's a beautiful process. Satan, 1 Thessalonians 2.18, he hinders ministry. He doesn't like ministry. He doesn't like that we take camps and turn them into places where they can preach the gospel. He doesn't like that they have inner city little places where people are giving, you know, food, clothing, shelter, and sandwiches and the gospel. He, he doesn't like that stuff. So he, he hinders it. He thwarts it. Satan's the leader of, of an army. He's the leader of an army. An army that wages war against humanity. And we have to understand that. We have to understand. In Ephesians 6, the, 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 the goal of the book of Ephesians is to help us to understand how we walk in a manner worthy, right? That's, that's what we're trying to understand. As it takes us through, you know, walking as wise and not as the unwise, as it takes us through and warns us about some of the things that we're not supposed to do and gives us some special insight in how to be a good wifey and how to be a good husband and, and to be an obedient child and a father and a master and a slave. And then almost out of nowhere, Finally, let's talk about this spiritual battle. And so, as we're, as we're treading forth, studying the book of Ephesians, and just like a, a little church, like in the church of Ephesians, here we are, two Ravensdale, trying to glean from this. And it's a reminder to us, okay, you want to be strong in the Lord? Raise your hand. I want to be strong in the Lord. Good. Um, you want to stand firm? Yes, I want to stand firm. By the way, we're not talking about wind. 
anymore. We're talking about the devil. Whoa! You mean Psalm 1? Be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which will yield its, its fruit in season, whose leaf will not wither. Right? When the wind comes and the leaf, it won't blow your leaf. Nope, we're past that. All It's like, that's not what we're talking about. Exactly. Here's what we're talking about. Verse 11, you need to get your armor on. Unfortunately, we're not soldiers. This is very sterile for us. We're, we're, we're novices. We've seen some war movies or a couple documentaries. I, I can't even begin to imagine what, 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 how that triggers a warrior. Put your armor on. Gear up. This is why in sports, they, they use military metaphors. You know, you put your shoulder pads on, your gear on, and it's like, get ready for battle. What a joke, right? For a soldier, put your armor on. What's getting ready to go happen out there? There's an enemy out there trying to kill me. That, that, that's... That's what we're being warned against. And not just physically, more importantly, trying to destroy us spiritually. This is why for me, what drives me as a pastor, and again, coming from that understanding of hell, coming from that understanding there's punishment for disobedience, is I'm here to try to save souls from going to hell and from being on a path of destruction. That, that, that's what energizes me it is, is I realize that there's a battle. I realize that there's a hell and, and, and I want to ring the bell. I want to ring the bell. Look over here. Listen, I've got good news. By the way, there's a battle. Be ready. We, we have to do both of these things. There'll be a time for peace and rest. But you know what? First, there's, a, there's an army out there over the ridge coming after us. What are you going to do? Are you ready? Or are you ready? Um, and so, that's what we're gearing up for. We're only going to get through two here today. Um, but it's important that we understand, again, that we're called to be strong so that we can stand warm. Why? Because the battle is against, and something to think about, not just the devil, right? It's the schemes of the devil. See, the devil's in one place at one time. His booby traps are under every seat. His booby traps are in the cars. His booby traps are in your house, in our bedrooms, right? His booby traps are there. This is why if he can tear apart a relationship between a daughter and a mother, he's going for it. A father and a son, a husband and a wife. He, he, he will attack relationships because those are his schemes, his schemes. Those are his arrows. Those are how he fights. That's how he attacks 
And by the way, not a fair fighter. That's important for you to understand. He is not a fair fighter. I, I grew up in a neighborhood and, you know, we had some crazy ideas of, of uh, nobility and honor, right? You know, and it's like fighting fair was a thing. You know, you, you fought fair. Um, well, Satan doesn't fight fair. You know that. Be ready. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that helps us to navigate this battle so that we don't enter into a war zone without proper preparation. Help us to be prepared for battle against Satan, against his schemes, Lord, against his war, against humanity and us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.